Hey, ebook readers, right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series ebooks are only $2.99. That's Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts, Flight Attendant Joe, and I'm Just Here for the Layovers on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo, $2.99 each. Hey, everybody, if you enjoy listening to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, now is your chance to become a patron of the podcast. Go check out www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. There's different tiered levels and each of one of them comes with something special and unique, including the Friday debrief, which is a short podcast episode that I record on Friday mornings, just me and my coffee. And it's only available on the Patreon page for patrons. So again, check that out. www.patreon.com slash grounded with flight attendant Joe. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. It is May 14th, 2020. I hope you guys are having a good week. I know I'm getting, this is, the last couple of weeks have been the first time I've really noticed I'm getting antsy. I, you know, just, I want to get out of the house. I have no desire to go to a restaurant. I, I have, my husband cooks so wonderfully that, I eat better at home than at a restaurant. I don't miss the crowds. I don't miss any of that. I feel like a geek when I say I miss going to a bookstore. I miss getting a cup of coffee, going to a bookstore, and just walking up and down the aisles of the bookstore alone. You know, well, of course, there's other people there. And that brings me joy. And I think of that because I just answered somebody on Instagram, asked a question like, what do you miss the most? And everyone's like, I miss my friends. I miss going to restaurants. I miss going to parties. I miss going to bars. And I responded, I miss going to the bookstore with a cup of coffee. And I probably look like the biggest freak on the planet. But I mean, why lie about it, right? What brings you joy is what brings you joy. And if I find that I like standing in a bookstore, looking at books with a cup of coffee in my hand, so be it. But enough of me rambling on this morning. Let's get this started. You know what else brings me joy? Music. Good music that just gets right into your soul and you can just feel it. And that's what today is, ladies and gentlemen. We have Mike MRF on the show. Mike is a saxophonist, a pianist. I think I said that right. Sorry, Mike, I'm not. I'm a pretty face. I don't know how to say words. And he's a songwriter. This guy is incredible. And don't worry, we have some snippets in the episode where you can hear how fantastic his music is. His recent album, Mob Music 2, came out in October of 2019, and the song Tip Jar was a semi-finalist in the 2020 International Songwriting Competition. His songs have been featured on the Amazon Prime show 30, the series. He's won Out Music Awards. He's an adjunct professor at NYU. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mike MRF. I love that, Mike. Welcome to the show, Mike. MRF is on Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. I'm so excited. 
Thank you, Joe. Um, I started, you know, you have so many great clips and we're going to talk about them all, but I started with that song, Beautiful, off your album, Elevator Music, because I'm really in that state of mind right now where I just need things to be as calming and as cool as possible. And your music does that for me. Oh, I'm so glad to yeah, hear that. Thank you. Um, I love that song. Now, is that you playing the saxophone and the piano? Yes. Now. now yeah. <clears throat> how do you do that? Do you record? <laughs> yeah. How, do, how does that happen? I'm very interested. Yeah. Uh, I recorded the, the piano part for the keyboard part first. And I think, I'm trying to remember, I think the guitar player and I, oops, sorry about that. The guitar player and I um, uh, recorded, I think at the same time. And then I just went back and recorded the sax over that. Oh, you know, I played the saxophone in the eighth grade. No, I'm lying to you. In the fifth grade, I played the alto saxophone for, I think, two years. And then no one, you know, I didn't have the support to continue. But um, so whenever I hear a saxophone, it always brings back those memories. Awesome. Yeah. How are you doing? How are you doing? Well, first of all, let's let all the listeners know, because a lot of the times I have guests on that I know, and then sometimes I don't. But this is a unique situation because you and I know a lot of the same people, but we've never met and we've never talked before. So I'm going to get to know you like like people who know both of us are like, oh, I know Mike. Oh, these, that. Right. But I'm excited because I'm getting to know you firsthand right now so i'm very excited yeah i and for years right i think that we have been connected for years i don't remember where the first what the first platform was i don't know if it was myspace i don't know what it was oh wow we've been i don't know we've been connected for a long time though i think and uh you're right and then we haven't had like a full uh you know full time to hang out so this is exciting well i've never been to p-town i know i'm probably the worst gay person on the planet, we have never been to P-Town. It's bizarre. Well, it's bizarre. As soon as you get here, we welcome you with open arms. And oh, I can't say wait. welcome home. So, yeah, like, it's gonna <laughs> let's be make awesome. this happen. Yeah. Now, how are you doing right now um, during COVID-19? How's everything going in your life? Right now, I'm great. Um, I, I actually did have the virus. Oh, um, my God, you did? I did. I got tested positive and everything. I had the virus from my, I became symptomatic on March 22nd. Um, and it hit like a storm, you know, and then I, uh, I got tested, I think that was a Sunday. I remember distinctly it was a Sunday night and then I got tested on that Wednesday. Um, and they, I'm sure you know this process by now, but they test you for the flu and COVID at the same time. The flu comes back right away, and that usually indicates where your COVID test is going to stay. So my flu was negative. So then, like two to three days, I think it was, I think it was that Friday night, I got the call saying that I was positive for COVID nineteen. So yeah, and uh, fortunately, though, I have to say, um, I'm very lucky and I'm very grateful that I had a pretty mild case. It wasn't that bad. I would say, like after, like the worst of it was definitely the first three or four days. And then it started to get a lot better. Um, and then there were just like tiny little other like blips of like, you know, some symptom that would pop up. And then I'd be like, what the hell is that? Like, I actually had hives for three days. And I was like, what is this? Like, where does this come from? You know, um, and that was at towards the end. But my symptoms at the beginning were 
the same symptoms that everybody else was having. So. Wow. Well, I'm glad you're okay. And did you Thank just, you. Did, yeah. yeah. Did you just kind of just quarantine at home and just deal with it as it, cause there's really not much you can do, but just relax and rest. And I did. Yeah. And my, uh, fortunately my, you know, I'm, I'm in Provincetown now actually. And my best friend down here lives on the first floor. I'm on the third floor. So he did my shopping for amazing. So that was really life-saving. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but, you know, I'm all better. I'm glad that it's over. Um, I was, like, pretty much totally in the clear um, to kind of, like, go and do my own shopping again and all that as of, like, April 7th, I think. So, so yeah, so I've been in the clear for a while, and I'm really happy about that. Yeah, and you, it seems like you got it back in March, and that's when it was, like, really starting to bubble over, when it first really people started getting it and the, it would, the escalation rate went really fast. Like I can right. remember it was like, Oh, 4,000 people have it. Oh, 20,000 people have it. It just was like a blip. So yeah. fast. Do you yeah, know, exactly. do you know where you got it from or no? Well, that's, that's the hard part. I, I remember that down here, the shutdown took place. I think the shutdown went into effect on like March 15th. I want to say, and so, you know, if if my incubation period was like seven days and I got it from like the last gig I did, basically, like sometime around then, if it was 14 days, then I would have oh. gotten it from, I actually went to this like trivia night at the, in the beginning of March and it probably would have been that. Uh, and so, you know, so it's one of those two, but I, I can't like exactly detect which one it was. So that's what's scary too. It's just so easy to get, unfortunately. Yeah. And you're the first person I've talked to that's actually had it. So, oh, wow. yeah. So, um, did you have to contact people and say, Hey, I have COVID-19. You might want to get checked. You know, the, so full disclosure, the department of health called, um, cause they were trying to keep, keep track of it that way. But the, the thing is, I would say that most, not everyone, but most of the people that I was in contact with on, both of those dates that I was talking about, like both the gig date and the trivia night, it was like pretty much two different sets of people and they all had it too. So it's like hard to know. Well, I mean, you know, so it's not like, it's hard to know like exactly where the exposure came from. And it's like everyone that we were in contact with had it. So it's like, I wasn't really in contact with anyone else during that time, if that makes sense. Okay. You know, so, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. But they, they contacted you because you were positive and wow. Right. That's kind yeah, of, it's almost they, creepy. I know. And then they're the ones that have to clear you to go back into public. So they, they call you kind of regularly and then they give you like a date for when they estimate that you'll be safe to kind of go back out and obviously still wear your mask and all of that, but like just be able to go back out and go shopping for yourself again and all that stuff. And so I got cleared for that. on like, I think it was like Wednesday, April 7th or something around something like that. So yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, Wow. It's been a really, really rough 2020, to say the least, for all of us, I will say. Um, there's also just been a lot of, like, uh, unfortunately, I don't know if you find this, but uh, a lot of people, at least in my network, I guess, have been, like, passing away, which is, like, really awful and terrible and surreal. So it's, like, um, it's just, yeah, it's been a heavy 2020, I will say, but... 
we're you know has, we're staying yeah. positive we're looking forward we're like gonna we're gonna fight through this and do our best obviously so well we're humans you know we we yeah. can take a beating you know we can <laughs> you know we've been around for a while not that long but we've been around for a while and, and I agree with you. Um, I'm hearing not people that, well, no, people that I know, but maybe I haven't seen them in a long time. And I'm getting right. like little dribbles from people like, oh, so-and-so is in the hospital. Oh, so-and-so's on a ventilator. And I'm thinking, yeah. and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, holy shit, like this right. is, it's it's so close. It's, it's almost like knocking on your door. It's very scary. Right. When you um when you found out you were positive for COVID nineteen, did you think at any moment like, oh shit, I could die? This is I'm not. Ha this is upsetting. I did, um, because and not to like you know <laughs> keep going in the direction of like grave serious things, but uh, oh, it's okay. I yeah I have like very 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 severe complex sleep apnea, um, okay. like not like. Hey, I'm a bear. I throw a CPAP on, and like life is good. Like I have like a way more complicated case than that, and so because of that, I was terrified of any potential breathing issues. Especially because you know when we were trying to figure out like what this thing is and like how it affects you, and seeing that it affects different people differently, and all of that, you know, I was seeing that like sometimes the breathing issues come later, and I was like, well, what does that look like? Because I'm already like having hard time as it is that really scared me and that like i would say that was the scariest part along with um one night my fever was just like through the roof and i didn't have a thermometer so i couldn't actually like i couldn't actually like figure out what it was but i actually called my sister who lives in hawaii um so i knew she would be awake and uh she just stayed on the phone with me until it like felt like it was starting to go back down oh wow so it was rough it's definitely not it's not you know I hope we like get some resolution for this thing in the nearest future, whenever that's possible. But yeah, well, you know, yeah. it's probably going to take a while and um, I'm not going to say, I'm glad that you have it, you had it and you got through it, but so many people are going to get it. That's just, yeah. that's just the way it's going to be. And there's so many people that have gotten it who probably don't even know they have it. Now, yeah. with your history of um, severe sleep apnea, you probably didn't get a lot of sleep during this entire period because I would probably be afraid to go to sleep because I'd be afraid I wouldn't wake up. You know what, though? You're so, so fatigued and exhausted from the virus that you, you just pass out. So, oh, like, that's yeah. the other part is that, like, you know, I for the first three days, I slept for most of it. But I didn't have any breathing issues during that time, so that was that was okay. I was just worried about like some kind of like severe onset of like breathing issues that I had never dealt with before, and then I was kind of like, oh Jesus, like what is that going to be like? But fortunately, it didn't happen, and yeah. now I am working out and making music and doing all the things I love to do. So, well, from from home anyway. <laughs> right. Well, because so. as a creative person, you have to continue being creative. Yes. With this COVID nineteen thing, though, right before we we leave this topic, because I didn't, I had no clue that you had um, COVID nineteen. It hits people in such different ways. I have a coworker who got it. He's probably like twenty four. He was just home hanging out in a chipmunk costume, making stupid videos. And I was like, "There's the levels of this virus are death to I'm dancing around in a chipmunk costume for Instagram stories." <laughs> and it's like. 
that's the scary part. It's not like yeah. you get the flu. Okay. You get the flu. You have a fever. You're in bed for like 10 days, you know, but this it's just from a to Z it's so widespread how it can affect people. Right. Um, but I'm glad you're doing exactly. okay. But speaking Thank of, uh, yes. Oh my God. You wouldn't be on the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh God. I have the worst jokes. I'm the worst person. No, I, Hey, we need them. I'm, I'm into it. Well, no, um, I was, I had to, my, I had to pause my mute. I had to mute my mic when you said, you know, I'm on a CPAP machine. It's not like um, one of those bears that needs a CPAP machine because I always, I envision um, a CPAP machine is kind of like a, like, it's like, Oh, you're a bear. Okay. Here's your yeah. bear flag. Here's your right. rum and Coke. And here's your CPAP machine. Now go right. to, go, go to tea dance. You'll be fine. Exactly. Yeah. No, I wish it were that simple. I really do. That would be, you know, that was my doc. My doctor said that too. He's like, if you don't have just like obstructive apnea, which is like when you like you hand the person a CPAP machine and they like give it a hug and they're like, Oh, this is the best thing I've ever had. Like for me, it's a totally different uh, experience. So, but that, you know, we don't have to get into that. That's like more health stuff. And I mean, unless you want to, I'm, I'm totally fine. Like, you know, whatever. Well, I, <laughs> I want to talk about your music because you're like this prodigy. You're, you're, it's incredible. Now, how are you? Because when you're a creative person, I'm a creative person, you're a creative person, even though we're stuck at home. You know, the world has come to a stop. We have to continue being creative. It's just who we are. So yes. what are you doing? How are you staying creative during this time? Um, <clears throat> you know, this this might sound strange, but I, um, you know, I, I put out my new album in October. That was when Bob Music 2 came out. And uh, I put like everything I had into that record. And like, I really had worked on it for probably a year and a half, but um, it was kind of like the combination of like 10 years with the two singers on there, Lisa Bella and Justin Waite. And so I knew I wanted to do that album. I also used it um, as my coursework to get a master's um, at NYU. So I like really did this. I was like buckled down. I was like, I'm making this album and I'm using it to get a degree. And like, you know, I'm just like, in it like fully just working 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 and then when i put that album out you know i just felt like this massive exhale um as we do when we finally like release something major that we've been working on um but i also have to say that i was kind of a little bit dry after that in terms of creativity like i i feel like i needed to kind of like you know live a little or take a tiny little break in order to uh regain some inspiration you know how that can happen yes. uh and so I really changed gears and I, I started to like focus on doing this bodybuilding competition that I was going to do in October. And so I started to kind of like really focus on that. And that's where a lot of my attention was before the shutdown happened. And so now, you know, I'm still kind of doing that. I'm like dieting and working out every day and kind of just, that's kind of been like my, on the, in the forefront of my mind for the last, like, you know, five, five months or so. Uh, but I am still, of course, cause you know, it's my job, it's my work and it's my first love. I'm still, of course, like creating. Um, and I actually just did something, uh, for this festival, digital festival that's coming up. Um, there's a, 
It's a digital bear fest, and it's put on by Bear World Magazine. And it's actually really cool. Um, I can send you the, I don't know if you have heard of it yet, but I can send you the link for it. And I think it's free. Uh, and it's a two-day thing. It's on like May, I think it's the 15th and 16th. I'll double check the dates, but it's a Saturday, Sunday. And okay. uh, and so we had to do, I had to do like a pre-recorded live set, like uh, recording with video and submit it for that as a part of the two-day festival. So that is going to be really cool. And okay. that definitely um, was something that like, you know, I had to kind of like, that was a creative outlet for me during this whole time. So that was, that was a good thing. So you were, but. so you could focus on that because I, and I agree with you. I have such a heart. Sometimes I can barely get off the sofa during this period. Like the right. idea, I'm like, Oh my God, I have to turn the, the recorder on. Oh, that sounds like a lot of work. Um, right. but it's so important to keep creative. So I'm glad that you had that, um, you have that festival that's going on that you could really focus on. Yeah. Now you're, you brought up mob, mob music too. First of all, I want to know what yeah. mob means. M O B. <laughs> um, really? Uh, so <laughs> the way that it started is, uh, Lisa, the lead singer and I, um, we started performing together in Boston. We would perform every Thursday night. It was like a new residency that, uh, called Cafe, the venue wanted us to do. And they were like, what are we going to call the night? And I was like, you know, kind of like joking, like, oh, let's call it Bob Music, whatever, because like we took, we did this photo shoot for photos and we were both like really serious and we we're both Italian. So we we're just kind of like, well, let's just call it that. We were young. We were like in our, you know, we were, I'm just going to say we were young. Okay. That's all you have <laughs> um, to say. Yes. Right. But then I have to say, we are so spontaneous and improvisatory like while we perform like we're just down to kind of try anything pick any song in any direction and like follow each other and so it kind of took on this whole new meaning um and when justin race joined us <clears throat> it was after a month in i think he joined us and then it became our like unofficial band name like we became like mob music and it the way like what it started to mean after that it's almost like a flash mob right it's almost oh, okay. like it's very like physical slash like like exciting spontaneous thing that you would watch that like you know the, the visual piece is almost like as uh exciting as the, the audio piece or whatever and so um that's kind of like the direction that the the name went in and then before we knew it people were calling us that anyway so then it was like all right well we're sticking with this and then uh um, that's how it was born for the most part. So, but it does kind of require an explanation, uh, most of the time because it is like when you first hear it, that's not what comes to mind. I would think so. Right. Yeah. yeah. I had, I had no idea if it stood for something, if it was like, Oh, like we're the mob and you got to watch out. I had no clue, but <laughs> I do want to play it. I want to play a snippet from your song Tip Jar, which was a semi-finalist of the 2020 International Songwriting Competition. So I want to talk yeah. about that, but I want to play a clip with, um, okay. this is you, I obviously, and then Lisa Bello and Justin Waif. Mm -hmm. Correct. Exactly. You want to buy us a drink, you can throw it in the tip jar. Want to tell us what you think, you can throw it in the tip jar. Baby, I won't call you. I don't care who you are. You can throw it in the tip jar. 
I'm like dancing in my seat. My ass is moving in my seat. I love her I voice. Love when I hear yeah. her, I, when I heard her voice for the first time, I felt like I knew her for a long time. Nice. She has that voice that you think, oh, my friend is singing to me. This is so fantastic. Right. So how did you hook up um, to make music with Lisa? And how did Justin come into that? Um, <clears throat> so the, that same venue that we were performing at, they asked me to do a New Year's Eve show and i had heard of lisa through her brother who was also he's also a singer in boston and the studio where i recorded elevator music right which is what beautiful is from that first oh, album yes. was mine so i recorded my first album at that studio and then uh they are the ones that connect me with louis her brother and then that's how i met her and i asked her to do that new year's gig with me and uh when we were emailing about it we basically sent each other the same list of songs, like unprovoked. And it was kind of like, whoa, like, okay, let's, let's see what happens here, you know? And then, and then, uh, we, you know, from that first night, we we're like, you know, that's when they asked us, well, let's turn this into a, a weekly thing. And then, um, so I would say that April, like after that New Year's gig, <clears throat> January 1st, that April uh, is when we started to do the weekly residency. And then after like a month, Another friend brought in Justin Waits uh, just to kind of check us out. And he started harmonizing from the audience. And I was like, who is that? <laughs> and then, you know, we, they pointed him out. And I was like, you know, come up on stage. And we brought him up. And then it was just like, like the whole chemistry was just there from the beginning. That's great. Yeah, because I didn't know. I was like, I know you play the saxophone. I know you're a songwriter and I know you you play the piano, but I didn't know how you ha you all found each other. So that actually makes sense. This yeah. this song, Tip Jar, was also <laughs> featured in the Amazon Prime show 30 the series. Am I correct? Yes, exactly. Now, yeah. did they have to contact you all three of you? How does that how do they say, "Hey, we want your song on our TV show?" This one was um this one was a little bit different. It was, uh, there's a, um, <clears throat> like, actually, I want to make sure I don't mess this up. There is a, um, like an urban LGBTQ chart radio station. Um, and it's really cool. I, I know them mostly from Instagram. Um, but they, you know, they basically, uh, support independent queer artists. What it, be it like you know R and B, hip hop, pop, like kind of that vein, and uh, and so they actually were the ones that connected the um, thirty in the series uh, score, like soundtrack. You know what I mean? They were the ones who like connected the dots for us for that. And actually, the they ended up using three songs. They used Tip Jar, they used the newest single called Clean House. And they used, I think they used, um, I can't make you love me, I think as well. Hmm. So I was excited. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. This is awesome. Take them. <laughs> well, because so. that also gets your music out to a wider audience. Yeah. Which is great. So when you're sitting down to write now, now that you write and work with Lisa and Justin, do you write think keeping in mind that Lisa's going to be singing the songs or do you still just write just to write and then figure it out later? For this album, um, I would go to her with the concept and then we would kind of write it together and we kind of like come up with the chorus 
Um, and then we'd each write a verse. So she'd write, you know, what would be her verse, and I would write typically what would be Jeffrey's verse. Okay. And then we would go through those together, and we would just kind of bounce ideas off each other or kind of discuss certain lines and things like that and um, just try to make it, like, improve it and make it as, as great as it could be. Um, and so that's that was kind of the process for most of the album. A couple songs we recorded a while ago, like Go to the Gym and uh, and I Can't Make You Love Me, we recorded, like, four, four or five years ago, I think, and we just kind of had them um, sitting there and, you know, I, I wanted them since it's, uh, since it's really like the three of us, that's like the core sound. I wanted it as a part of the project. So I, I put them on this album. So. <clears throat> Is it easier to write by yourself or with someone else? Cause I imagine it's two different, it's two completely different experiences. Yeah. I mean, I really love co-writing. I really, really enjoy that. Uh, I think, for me, the issue comes in that I don't sing myself. And so that that is kind of like what holds me back a little bit. Not holds me back, but that is, I mean, it would be easier if I was a singer myself. Um, not that all singers write only for themselves. Some write for other people who are very different from them. Um, but, you know, and so there were times when I would actually sing the verse that I wrote, like as a reference, um, I got over my embarrassment of doing that. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, but it's, it's also nice to write with someone's voice in mind and with their range in mind. And that's kind of like what I was able to do with this album. Cause I had been working with Ethan Justin for so long. So, okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, because I, uh, you know, I've all, I always wrote by myself. I wrote, be, and it's such a solitary thing. You just get there and you write and it's in your head. And then I wrote a TV show with a co-writer of mine. And it was the first time I ever had to sit down with someone else and have them say, that's the line you want to write? That makes no sense. And then I'm like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. Don't get crazy. So it's such a great lesson in, of course, keeping your ego in check, right? Because yeah. you write something, it's it's yours, it's your words. And then to have somebody say, you know what? That does I, That's not the way it should go. It's so hard for you to say, bitch, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I know. It, <laughs> it does take some getting, some adjusting and getting used to, for sure. How have you dealt with when somebody says that lyric, that line's stupid? Or, okay, of course, that's how I say it. But if somebody said something like, you know, how about if we go this way? Was was it a was it a learning curve for you to say, okay, don't take it personal? Yeah, um, definitely. I would say actually, um, be, well, you know studying and like being at NYU for the most recent album really helped me with that because you're constantly like getting constructive criticism on what you're doing and you don't have to implement it, but you're going to hear it one way or the other. Even if it's something that you're like, okay, I'm going to completely ignore that or, oh, okay, I'll try that. You know, so you get really good no matter like how it's delivered because some people deliver it really well and some people you're like, well, you just kind of, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> Oh yeah, this is grounded with it's flight like, attendant like, Joe. It's, you just uh, shit all over my song, you know, like right. Oh when yeah, it, when like both um, both happen, and you just have to get really thick skin and like really good at just kind of like just taking it, take it for whatever it is, and then deal with 
how much you want to like give credence to it later, I guess. Right. So, I, you know, yeah, it's thick skin. I'm, I'm glad that you said it like that because it's really a lesson, like being this, being creative writing and then working with someone else who critiques your creative process. It, it definitely helps you. It helps me deal with people in the world too. You know, that has been a lesson for me. Like if I'm out in the world and somebody's an asshole to me, I can actually process it a little better because I can handle that. I can handle some negative criticism or I can handle somebody saying that's not as good as you can make it. Yeah. It's so important to not exactly. It's so important to not fall apart and to learn how to not do that. Um, I mean, I had one, we had one, um, really really accomplished um producer songwriter who is like currently successful um come in and listen to our songs and kind of uh <clears throat> you know give us his feedback or whatever and um one song that i've been working on for i don't know how long and i put so much into it so much time so much energy and, and frankly so much money uh and he came in and he listened to it and he was basically um <laughs> like said that the order that the sections go in, right? Like verse, pre-chorus, chorus. Okay. Like what those sections consisted of were like hurting the song. That like they should be moved around and like, you know, chop this out and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I <laughs> spent so much time on this. Like I don't even, you know, and then it's weird because like in that moment, it was almost like my bubble burst. Like it's already put how many hours in this song, you know? And so, um, but, Ultimately, it was good because now it's like, you know, you just, I don't know, you got to take it with a grain of salt, I guess. So, uh, so I've gotten really good at doing that. And so now it's like, you know, if someone hears a song of mine, they're like, oh, I hate this. I'm like, okay, you know, that's fair. <laughs> right. Just don't, <laughs> just don't write that on an Amazon review. But other than like, if you don't like it, just keep it to yourself. You don't have to tell the world. That's how right. I feel when somebody's like, you're the worst writer in the world. I'm like, that's your opinion. Don't leave a review about that. Just, right. leave, <laughs> just keep move on with your life. <laughs> Let's go back to when you were a kid. So how do you know? I, I'm always interested in, did you have to learn to play this instrument? Did you just pick it up and start playing? And then your parents are like, whoa, this is amazing. How does that go? Yeah. So I started saxophone first and I was 10. I also started on the alto, like pretty much most of us do, which is a great thing, like you did. <laughs> um, and so I started on alto. My grandfather, my mother's dad was a musician. Uh, he played piano and trumpet. And so he would help me practice. And so he would like kind of coach me a little bit while I was playing saxophone. And then I think, so that was when I was 10. And then when I got to 14, I think when I was about 14, he started teaching me piano. Um, and so that actually just like completely improved my saxophone playing. Like piano will always improve whatever instrument you already play. Really? Um, yeah, absolutely. And um, and it, it did, I have to say, it did come really natural to me. Uh, it came really naturally to me, fortunately. Uh, and then it got to a point where it was like, my ability on saxophone and in music in general just kind of like, you know, outweighed anything else that I could have pursued. And so I was just like, well, you know, let's do this. But I also had a passion for it by that point too. Like I, I think when I was like 15, 
and I heard uh, Yasko Kubota play, who actually my third project that I released is a tribute to her. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I was like, okay, this is what I want to do, like hands down. And so that's when I got super, super into it. And I probably started gigging when I was like 17. I probably started doing like local gigs and stuff like that. And then uh, I went to Berkeley after that for undergrad. So yeah, and then it went on from there. But <clears throat> tell me, can you let me know why learning piano helps with other instruments that you play? Yeah, there's a, a bunch of reasons. One is that um, it's just visually laid out for you, like in front of you, um, and so like you can see everything that you're playing whereas like on a saxophone or a wind instrument like you you kind of can't really i mean you know you, it's it's more felt versus seen i will say like i think the instrument itself but also just so the visual aspects but then also uh on like on the saxophone or any wind instrument you're playing one note at a time it's a like everything is linear mm-hmm. and then on piano you're able to actually look at things from a harmony standpoint and, and listen to how harm, like, you know, notes work together and like what that, what that means, like both sonically and, you know, relating it to your own instrument and the notes you're playing on that. And so it's just, it really just like reinforces like everything that you learn on whatever your principal instrument is. That's why it's almost like, it's almost best to have, you know, have someone start on piano and then move oh. to whatever instrument after that's usually like the ideal process in my opinion anyway learning piano (laughs) first yeah helps it's like the piano you know i watch piano players i watch you know all kinds of instrument people playing instruments and so they don't even look where their hands are going it's like a language it's like knowing a language that someone else doesn't know yeah it's so cool how did you know you wanted to play the saxophone when you were 10 well, I didn't. My mother actually forced me to. So she actually did me a really big favor by doing <laughs> that. Because um, I really kind of was kind of like apathetic or indifferent, I guess. Like I just didn't care one way or the other. You know, if I if I took an instrument or not or which instrument, and she was like, you should play the saxophone. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, thank, thank goodness it happened like that. Yeah. Did you... um? When I was in elementary school, like the fifth grade or whenever I played the saxophone, they would let you take an instrument home for the summer. It was weird. I don't know. I'm old. And it back in the, I think, the early 80s or something. And I remember taking the clarinet home because it was a reed instrument. And I thought, how different is this? And it was horrific. I so- It sounded like cats were just screwing and screaming and cutting up the house. It was like it was the worst sound. My mother, I think I played it like one day. My mother was like, put it in the box. Don't pull it out again until you return it back to school in the fall. Did you try other instruments um, besides the saxophone? Did you ever try the trumpet? No, I just, it was like saxophone from day one. And then uh, I started learning more instruments after that, but it was always like saxophone as the main focus. So do you play more than the saxophone and the piano? I do, but really only for the purposes of like teaching and writing, not really for the sake of performing. Like I would never perform on like flute or clarinet, but I can play those well enough to like teach like elementary school kids how to play it, play it, or um, or I, I play them well enough to be able to write to compose uh, like a 
a piece or an arrangement for um for those instruments and kind of have like an insider's like view of like what it is to play them and and all of that so did you ever have a desire to play the guitar or do you play the guitar oh that was like one of the biggest (laughs) failures i (laughs) i mean i've always wanted to i just don't think i'm built for it like i uh I tried, um, I think two years ago, I took guitar lessons. I think I took maybe 12 of them or so, but I just, it just does not translate and I can't get my fingers to do what they need to do on there. And I don't even have the strength. It's so strange. Like, you know, the playing bar chords and using like your, your finger to press down, like all the strings on an acoustic while you're then going to strum. Like my hand was like, what is this? What's happening here? (laughs) I tried, um, I was like, I'm going to learn the guitar. And my husband was like, okay, I'm like, I'm going to buy one. He goes, well, why don't you borrow one from a friend first? Because his old boss had like 10 guitars. He was in a band. And and I borrowed it, and I think I played it for maybe, uh, I don't know, two minutes. And I was like, I'll never learn how, I can't figure this shit out. How the hell do they do this? I should, I should just play the ukulele. There's four strings. It's tiny. I would be fine. (laughs) Right. And you see these young people pick up the guitar and play it like it's nothing. And I'm just like, I did this. I don't know what that is. I don't know. (laughs) I don't have that in me to do, I guess. So, but I, I love that you, I love the idea that you're a musician, you're a songwriter, you play two instruments. And even at this point, you're like, I'm going to take guitar lessons because I bet you in your mind, you think like, if I play the guitar, that's going to help. If I can, if I know the guitar, that'll help me when I'm writing songs or making music. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And just change up your approach. Cause it's like, I think you're going to respond to it differently than you would writing on the instrument you always write on. So yeah, that, that exactly, that's what I wanted. And I also wanted to be able to, uh, perform live because I accompany singers so often and I thought it would be so cool to like on songs that are more written for guitar to be able to just kind of pick one up and be like let's do this but that is not going to happen (laughs) (laughs) now this will probably be a this will probably be a hard question for you this is probably like picking a child but if you could only do one would you play the saxophone the piano or write songs Wow. Uh, I, hmm. I know I told you it would be difficult. It's like saying, which child, <laughs> yeah. it's like saying, which child do you love the most? I love them all, but you can only pick one. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think it would be piano. Like I, um, yeah, I'm just like a piano nerd, you know, like I really, <laughs> just, I want to just keep getting like deeper and deeper into like, the different levels of how to create sound on there and like create worlds on there really, you know, like that right. is just like the coolest thing to me. And like, yeah, I, I have to say at this point, I mean, you know, I'll always, the tricky part is I will always, always be a better saxophonist than a, a than a pianist, you know, like saxophone will always be like my superpower. But at the same time, I don't know. There's something about the piano that just like, I, I just will never get tired of. Do you feel the most creative when you're behind the piano? I could see that. I think so. Yeah, because there's so many different roles. 
Yeah, it's it's so I, I guess I would answer this question two different ways. Like one would be like in a career sense and then one would be in a just strictly creative sense, you know? because um, they don't always align. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it just, it's, it's a hard question. Wow. It is a hard question. I stumped I you. Piano, though. You did. <laughs> piano, no, that's good. No, because I, I would, I, th- as a writer, I think writing would probably be the hardest one of those three. Uh, sorry, you, you think the piano would be? No, no, writing. I, I would see writing, oh, writing as being the hardest of the three. I think part of it is that, I mean, I love songwriting. Um, like I have so much fun doing it. I think the, I think it goes for me, it goes a little bit back to that disconnect of not being able to sing. That's why, you know, it's almost like a, I don't know, but I, I mean, when I have a singer who's singing the song, like no matter who it is, then it's that, that gratification is there, like mm-hmm. no matter what. So yeah, that was a really tough question. Wow. I'm glad you asked that though. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> it's something to think about, but you know, I just had this idea that, you know, you said you're not a good singer or you can't sing. Does that mean you're not right. a good singer? Is that what that means? Yeah, my voice is just not very pleasing and I just don't have, you know. <laughs> I think your voice is pleasing, but <laughs> Well, maybe speaking, speaking but... <laughs> but like singing, it's a different story. And the other thing too is like, I, I've worked with some of like the most incredible singers you'd ever want to hear really. And um, knowing what, it can be, and you know, if I may, what it should be, <laughs> and knowing how far away from that I am, like it's that's that's one thing to that's difficult to reconcile. Um, I get that, like <clears throat> there are singer songwriters who are legends and so impactful that we, you know, that we love, who like didn't have the best voice but had a huge impact, like Bob Dylan and people like that. Um, so I, I understand that, like. You know, and for a while I was trying to find like, okay, does my voice have a place? Is there a place in my voice where I can like operate comfortably and confidently enough to deliver what needs to be delivered? And I just still haven't found it yet. Oh yeah, I'm the worst singer on the planet. I only sound good in the shower, which makes sense. But right. do you think that so you you have you don't have the most pleasing voice when you sing, but when you write the lyrics, you're it's almost like you're you're allowed to sing on paper so you might not be able to sing it out loud but you're writing it down which kind of fulfills that desire of instead you know I'm, i might not be singing it but i'm writing it and i think that's a great way to solve the singing problem yeah right and also being able to play that melody of uh, whatever you wrote and like even like kind of saying the lyrics over the melody while playing it like that is also a great feeling just like knowing like why well, i brought this to life um i mean even like one of the songs um it's you know it's funny because my my most successful work to date in terms of just like outreach is um the music video for trying and uh you know i think it's it's at almost like eight hundred thousand hits I think or something like that and so it's gonna it's definitely gonna be my first work to cross over a million eventually because it's like it's just on it's it's on its way like the numbers are continuing and all that and that song you know I put that out like in 2013 okay um and um the video came out in 2014 but um 
that song is sung originally, like I wrote it and then I had Lisa and Justin sing it. And, um, and then in order to do this set for, uh, this upcoming digital bear festival, we had to pick three songs to do. And so we picked trying as one of them, but I'm doing this performance with another singer in front of mine, um, Marco Perfetti. And so he, and he has done this before with me for other shows that we've done together. Um, but I hadn't played it. I don't think I had played it in like three, maybe three years. It had been a while, three or four years. And so um, I recorded it, you know, last week. And I was like, wow. I was like, I forgot what it feels like to be in this song. I forgot what it feels like to be bringing this to life and to like, you know, uh, I don't know, just be like playing the song and, and then and he sang it and, um, it was just, it was, it was kind of wild. Like I, um, but hearing him sing it, it was like another, it's like, it's another voice that's completely different from Lisa's and, mm-hmm. you know, the song still works and translates and everything. So I was really happy about that. And so, I mean, that even might be one that I could eventually sing like, if I had to perform, you know, cause you see songwriters performing their original songs, even if, you know, the song was someone else's. Right. Um, and they just do it for the audience just as a songwriter's kind of showcase. So, I mean, it'd be cool if I could at least do that vocally. But I, we'll I learned, I learned that from watching the TV show Nashville. They would go, they would go to the bluebird and sing their songs, but actually yeah. you just talked up trying a lot. And I have a clip because that's the type of show this is. I knew you were going to bring this up and I have a clip and I'm going to share it because this song is off your album, mod music. The first one, yeah, correct? The first one. You're right. That's so great. Oh my God. It gives me goosebumps. It gives me goosebumps. <laughs> now this is, um, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, cause I was stalking you online yesterday to prepare for this interview, but this great. video, th- yeah. <laughs> oh wait, I got some stuff to pull up still. We're not even almost done yet. Um, but this music video, this is the one that you filmed am I correct over a couple days in, in Boston. Yeah. Who who came up with the idea of this music video? Did you hire someone, or was it all it, it, your idea? It was mine, uh, and then you know I worked directly with the videographer to like, you know, like he was doing all of the camera work. But I had I, I had a huge hand in this one because I had such a specific vision for it. I mean, it really was like in like imitation of my the relationship that it's supposed to depict. Right. And so, um, and so I really like was telling him the exact scenes I wanted to shoot, the exact angle, not the exact, well, some of the exact angles. Um, I mean, he did a lot of that. He knows that aspect of it, but, uh, and then also I really, I sat with him during the editing kind of like, you know, really selected like the the shots for the storyline. Like, um, so I, I put a lot into, into that one but yeah exactly that's that's the one it's funny because people people ask me all the time if the other uh guy in the video is my boyfriend i was like no are you kidding 
<laughs> it's like, a music video. Be, right. Like, it's like that. We were not even in a place for, like, I'm not pink. You know what I mean? Like, I think she did, <laughs> she did that one. Um, but I don't have that. Yeah, no, that wouldn't. That would, yeah. So I just, I get so surprised. I guess maybe it's a good thing that people are asking that because maybe it was that convincing. I don't know. But like, maybe it's like, I'll take it as a compliment. I yeah. Suppose. I don't know. If, hey, if but. you're acting in a music video is so convincing that people think that the guy's your boyfriend, maybe you need to add actor to your list of accomplishments. Well, I guess you can now that you were in that music video. Yeah. And I've been in a couple other things too. I do enjoy it. Um, but yeah. Now, do you, do you enjoy, you actually enjoy making music videos? Do you, do you like being in front of the camera? Yeah, I, um, you know, I've, I've had like some opportunities to be in, um, like, you know, I've, I've done my own music videos, but in, uh, 2012, I think it was, I was in, uh, Bear City 2 a little bit in the movie. Like I had like a little role in that as like a security guard <laughs> and then um, that's great yeah and then also there was a show shot in t-town that's also on amazon uh it's called off season and it's like off i think it's called off season tv but it's off season uh shot in t-town and it's a 14 part miniseries and i am in episodes 8 through 14 playing a boy yeah playing the boyfriend of one of the leads uh, characters on the show. So you do like acting. I do. Yeah. I like it a lot. And then, uh, you know, and then I, I was doing some extra work in New York over the last few years, which is fun. But I always tell myself like when, when I get music in a certain like groove, I guess, like in terms of like where I want it to be, then I'm going to kind of devote more time into like doing more acting stuff. Right. Well, it's good to um, have your fingers in a little bit of everything because at the end of the day, music is your passion and all these other experiences you have are just going to make that even better. Right. What comes first? So you sit down, you're like, all right, I have an idea. Do the lyrics come first or do you get on the piano first or because in my, I'm, you know, I'm imagining Taylor Swift right now and I'm, you know, I mm-hmm. watched that special on Netflix and she's, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, it was good. It was good. Um, she says, fuck, which I w- had to rewind and listen again, like three times <laughs> just because I wanted to hear Taylor Taylor Swift. And she's talking about Trump, I think, when she says it. So it's so amazing. But that's other than that. But you know, she's at her, she's at her piano, and she's writing while she's playing the piano. And I'm always I'm fascinated by that. Um, For me, it, it, you know, I'm sure for her, not that I've seen it, but uh, it can happen all three ways. I can come with just the melody first that pops in your head, it can come with lyrics that you then kind of give a musical like context to or uh it can come from like some chords that you have been playing with that give create a certain feeling and then you write that way and i've really written all three ways um i don't know which one i don't know if there's one that stands out more than uh others when i'm like teaching people and like when i'm helping them with their writing or helping kind of like songwriters who are starting out Usually we, or I, but I say we is like just also the other people that I speak to about this, um, tend to get them to focus on melody first. Um, 
just because that is what people remember the most more than anything. Like mm-hmm. they can always remember the melody. Sometimes they can remember the lyrics and then people, I would say general public people like really care about the chords last. I would say. So it's like, usually we have people focus on melody first. Um, I think. And, uh, which and is, then, the, which is like the beat of the music. Well, uh, it's like the main tune of the song. Like if I hummed you a melody, okay. Like just, yeah. You know what I mean? And then, um, the beat would probably full fall more into like the harmony part. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Cause I, I know when I hear, like, I'm a really big seventies disco person. And so mm. when I start hearing that, you know, my ass just starts moving no matter what I'm doing. Like, I don't care. Right. I'm vacuuming. I'm cleaning the litter box and I start, my ass starts shaking, but I, so uh, go ahead. I, I'm going to tell you then you need to cut. Well, unfortunately this season is going to be a little bit different, but otherwise I would say you need to get to T-Town and you need to go to T-Dance on a Thursday because every Thursday is like uh 70s disco, like, golden you know what i mean like you would love it you probably dance the whole time oh yeah i probably would if as long as my knee didn't give out you know we used to have um (laughs) (laughs) which will last like five minutes and i'm like i gotta sit down um but no that we used to have um in orlando we used to have gay days and you'd go to disney and i don't know if you remember this but there was pleasure island was actually a lot of bars and clubs and there was this one place called mannequins no no i'm lying there was mannequins but then there was a place next door called eight tracks and it was like 70s and 80s and okay. the, the thursday night before disney world's gay days it was 70s and 80s night at this eight tracks bar and i'm telling you it was the best part i could have just done that and not not even gone to gay days. It was so much fun. So dancing and music has always been the thing that saved me. Um, you know, from my childhood, I would, my parents would be fighting and I would go downstairs and I would just watch Whitney Houston videos on MTV. Mm, and yeah. I would be like, I'm safe. Whitney Houston's here with me. When, yeah. When you were a kid, so your mom gives you the saxophone. Yeah. And she's like, you start playing it. At what point does it use, does it go from being a hobby to, Hey, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. <clears throat> rest of my life was definitely 15 after I heard Yasko play like at that pianist I was talking about earlier. Um, that EP also is called Yasko Sensei. Um, and it's five songs. She's on three of them. We recorded it before she passed away, but she was really my, my like mentor, my like, you know, um, idol really musically. I just, first time I heard her play, I was like, what is happening? And how do I get people to feel the way I'm feeling right now based on playing like that? You know, like that, that was my response when I first heard her play. So I kind of like spent, you know, from then on just trying to reach that level. Yeah. I would say 15, so like five years in. Okay. And when maybe, you, maybe four. When, yeah. you, when you tell your mom, Hey, I'm going to be a musician. Is she like, um, I thought you were going to be a lawyer. <laughs> no, because I don't think they ever thought that I was going to be a lawyer. Or, or anything like, Oh, don't you want to be a doctor? You want to be a musician? They have such a hard time getting started or something like that. No, I, you know, I just feel like the rest of my, I didn't do super well in high school. I feel like, this is like a totally different conversation, but uh, I will just, I'll drop this bomb and we can move on. Oh yeah. <laughs> or not move on, but you know what I'm saying? No, but I really feel like, I don't know. I, you know, I didn't come out until I was 21. 
And I feel like before coming out, my brain was just like off. It just was in a different place. It just was not, I was like not able to like, uh, I don't even know, absorb or retain. I mean, I was always good at like English. I was good at math, but not like exceptional or anything. Like not to the point where it's like, oh, you should be X or whatever. But like, uh, I don't know. So I just feel like after that is when I really started to like, I just feel like I had an easier time learning after coming out and after like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so I mean, with all that said, like there was never really concern about me going into music. It was more like grateful that I had something that I was that exceptional at that I could have, that they, they they knew that I could have a career in. Cause I think I was already, I think when I was 17 and 18 before even getting to Berkeley, I was performing and teaching private lessons. So I was already making, not like great money, but I was making money. It's probably like pretty decent for like a 17 year old. But, um, you know, so like they, I think that it was for them, it was promising more than anything. Oh, that's so, good. Well, that's yeah. good. Cause you know, I hear so many stories from people like, I want to be an artist. No, you're going to be a doctor now. Put that pen down and go, <laughs> go, go do some surgery or something. Right. Do you think? Yeah, no, I, we didn't have that. My sister, <laughs> though, that, I would say that like it was a little, that was a little bit more on my sister than me. So, but. And she's a doctor now, so there oh. you go. <laughs> well, there you go. So there's a doctor and a musician. They're like, no, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Now, you didn't come out till you were 21. So yeah. when you were in high school, did you know you were gay and just kept it down or you had no clue? Or no, you just I always it? knew. Oh, I've known since, I say, I really think I, I've known since as far back as I can remember. Oh, I yeah. really think I was like five. I really think I figured it out when I was like five or six. Mm -hmm. um that i you know so i was about five when i can i can go all the way back to kindergarten and think oh i liked i i would look at little i would i would not be interested in little girls even though i had a girlfriend in kindergarten but that's off topic so do you think (laughs) that do you think that kind of hiding this your sexuality affects you being able to focus on music. So it makes sense to me that once you finally came out and you were like, this is who I am. All right. I don't have to worry about hiding that or about letting people know that. And now I can just focus on my passion. Pretty much. I will say it was, I mean, it was tough. It was 2006, I think. So it was like really, uh, it was not, good by any means like it wasn't like a good time you know it wasn't it's not like we're where we are now by any means you know what i mean like it was like still pretty um scary and rough and all of that and so uh i just remember i had been playing a ton of jazz um and i had been like like jazz saxophone you know and i i was playing with a lot of like really uh heavy hitters in kind of like the jazz world and i just remember when i came out i just totally disappeared because i just did not want to be around any energy that wasn't totally welcoming or like, you know, safe at that point, safe in, in terms of like judgment and stuff. You know what I mean? Like I was just kind of like, get me out of here. So that's why I kind of like pulled out of that scene. And uh, that's really when I started songwriting actually. I was just like, you know, I, I, I've kind of reached this level as like a, soloist on saxophone and like you know in that regard but i need more and that's when i started writing lyrics and that's when like you know i started to kind of i don't know it was more it was more it like brought the remaining catharsis that i needed if that makes sense oh no it makes it makes complete sense because 
I think that people who are hiding their sexuality or hiding a big secret like that, you really can't focus a hundred percent on what you're doing because there's always that thought in your brain of I'm not being true to myself. So, you know, what's, what, what am I being true about? So yeah. it makes sense that you come out of the closet and now you're like, I'm gay. I'm going to start writing because now I have accepted and I've been able to announce who I am and now I want to write about it. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would love to compare something you wrote as a 15 year old and then something you wrote as a 21 year old, just with how your brain had changed regarding yourself. That, that would be fascinating. Right. Yeah, that'd be cool. Now you are also an adjunct instructor at NYU. Am I correct? Yes. I was not there this past semester, but I think I'm going back in the fall, which I am very excited about. Do you, en do you enjoy teaching? Uh, I, yeah, I honestly, I teaching at NYU is one of the best experiences of my life for sure. Like, I was teaching composition and songwriting and uh, and it was just like one of the coolest experiences I've ever had and I miss it. You know, I actually hope that I am going back in the fall, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, your resume just keeps going and going. Thank God I didn't try to print it. I would have ran out of ink. I mean, I was like, he's an, he in, oh, teaches you. music at NYU. He can't be on my podcast. I tell dick jokes all day long. Oh my <laughs> God. I was having a panic attack, but <laughs> do you have students? Cause you know, I always ask the worst questions. Do you have students that you're like, you shouldn't really be here, but I'm going to have to teach you anyway. Well, <laughs> I might have like an equally crass answer to that. <laughs> oh no, please, please. As, as much as you want. No, well, I would just, I, it was great because everyone that I taught was really, really into it. Um, and that's really all I asked for because for years I taught uh, public school. I taught like Boston public and it was like a night, it was a nightmare. I mean, it was like, an, honestly, like it was hell. <laughs> like I, I, I really have no uh, problem saying now that I really hate it most of it. <laughs> what what, what um, grade so, did you teach? May I ask? Mostly middle school. Oh so my God. That's imagine. awful. God. Awful. So right. Awful. So, and it was like, you know, here I am with like, like you've mentioned, like kind of the resume that I had been working a lifetime to build. And here I was spending like 80% of my day, just like teaching kids when to talk, when not to talk, and then how not to call me a faggot, how not to like, what? you they, know, what? beat the shit out of each other. Oh, it was crazy. It was Middle school kids period. were calling the teacher a faggot? Absolutely, because I was out, you know, like I was oh, out the whole time. but still, <laughs> see, I couldn't, I couldn't be a teacher. I'd be in prison. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it came close a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm going to shove this flute. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so to, to go from that to going to like kids who well you know like undergrads who were like just hungry for every piece of musical knowledge that they could get from me it was really a dream it was just amazing so well and they're paying <clears throat> to be there and they're not little shitty seven-year-olds i'm seventh graders oh god that right there just gives me the i have the hives i should get checked for COVID 19 because that middle school I, when i was in high school i was part of the future educators of america right because i wanted to be a teacher i wanted to be a biology teacher 
and yeah. we would go out and go teach classes. And I can remember I was a junior in high school and I was 16 and I went and I taught at a middle school and I'm up there teaching. And one of the kids raises his hand and he says, how old are you? And I said, I'm 16. And he goes, I'm 16. And I thought, holy shit, you're in the eighth grade and I'm in the 11th and you're 16. I was like, you're, <laughs> I was like, well, in two years you can quit. So I don't know what to right. tell you. It was crazy. <laughs> I don't even, that was so off topic. But when, when you're, when you have these, when you're teaching in the call in the university level song, teaching songwriting, isn't it kind of like poetry? No, I mean, because I'm, well, I'm also songwriting is like the broader term, but I'm also teaching them about theory and I'm teaching them like, you know, how to voice different chords in the piano and like how those chords go together to create the feeling that they want behind like the melody that they wrote. Like it really gets, it's like, um, <clears throat> it's like a little bit of a combination of everything like music related, even talking about like, you know, artists and interpreting their lyrics and then like also kind of like oh how do i recreate this feeling that they got with these chords like in my own and what is what is that happening there like what's that progression like it like goes it goes on and on and on and so it's like you kind of have to be able to handle like anything musically that they ask you you know so it's really cool because it keeps you like in shape and it keeps you ahead of the game which is pretty awesome so Okay, so that makes sense. You're 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 teaching them the theory also, and not just like make sure these last words always rhyme, so it goes right. it sounds good. Because that's what. Yeah, cause no. I, I always thought of music because some songs you hear and you're like that that could be a poem. Mm -hmm. That could be a poem. Yeah. I want to. Um, I want you to indulge me in a story because I, like I said, I was stalking you and I uh -huh. see that you've worked with Ruth Pointer from the Pointer Sisters and yeah. I love well, the Pointer Oh my God, don't tell me a story where I won't like the Pointer Sisters because I'm going to have to stop this call. Oh no, they're amazing. <laughs> like, no, 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 this is a, I just want to like, I don't want to get in trouble. I didn't, I didn't oh. technically like, like I, I did perform with her, which okay. was incredible. Um, but it was like, it was almost like a spontaneous thing. So, okay. but it, you know, it, but there's video of it. You can see it on Instagram. <laughs> was it all the sisters um, or just Ruth? No, it was just Ruth. Um, so she wrote a book, um, oh, maybe four, three, no, three years ago. I think she wrote, wrote and released the book, maybe four years. I, I can't exactly remember, but uh, she was doing a book release tour for this book. And, she had a Boston date. And so um, I got asked to perform for her, like as a tribute oh. uh, with, yeah. And with a singer of my choice. And so I picked this guy, he, well, this guy, he's a wonderful friend of mine. And he was also a Berkeley professor. His name's Jeff Ramsey. And he's like just the most angelic man, incredible singer and musician has worked with everyone you can think of Celine Dion, like everybody, oh, wow. like you name it. Yeah, and so I asked Jeff to <clears throat> sing with me and do this performance for Ruth Pointer, and so he did. And we, um, she was so like into the performance that she got up on stage and performed the rest of it with us. You know oh what I mean? God. Like so, wow. yeah. So we got to we performed. I'm so excited together as like with me and then the two of them, and it was like one of the best moments ever. Like it was just so. 
I was like, is this happening right now? <laughs> like, right. I had chills, you know, and like, it's really cool. It's definitely, I posted it recently as like a throwback. So it's pretty, it's a pretty recent post on my Instagram. If you want to hear it and check oh, it yeah. out. I need to check that out. Everyone needs to check that out. Uh, because when you said you were performing, I'm so excited. I'm so excited right now. I, <laughs> Cause I listened to the pointer sisters. Like they just released their music like last week. I, uh, awesome. And it goes to that 70s and 80s thing. But when I saw that you had performed with her, I was like, I have to get this story because I mean, she that's amazing. Is unbelievable. Like, she's unbelievable. There are, like, there are people in school right now studying to be able to do what she did, like, in that performance that we did together. You know what I mean? It's just, like, so cool to think about. Like, she's, like, that amazing. Like, she's just amazing. And, and your students and your, the people that you're teaching are striving for that. They want to be, yeah. they want to be that, or maybe they just want to write music. You know, do you have, do you have, are you just teaching people to write or also perform? Um, for the students I had at NYU, I was teaching mostly, uh, writing and the end, like, you know, theory, composition, all that. But, you know, I would definitely talk through some performance stuff with them at times. Um, but, you know, mostly it was like the construction of the music that they were trying to make. So. Okay. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, no, yeah. I, had, I had to get the Ruth Pointer story because I love her <laughs> so much. And when this calls over, I'm probably going to listen to the Pointer Sisters now. And I'm going to watch that story on your Instagram page, which will let everyone yeah. know at the end of the episode where they can find you. Um, before yeah. I let you go, though, I do want to play one more snippet of your song, Be Strong, okay, off yeah. your music album. And then we could talk a little bit about that for a moment. Sure. Hey! From a young age, no one bad to explain your way. Sinful dreams about the same team. At least that's what they say. Lonely kid, big secret. Every day is that, is that Justin keep... singing? Justin Wade? Yeah. Uh, oh, his voice Justin. is great too. Well, of course, yeah. I guess that makes no sense. Um, you won the Humanitarian Songwriter of the Year Award for that song. Yeah. C- congratulations on that. The Humanitarian Songwriter of the Year. Not just like, <laughs> hey, you wrote a song, here's an award. Humanitarian. Yeah. Are you the sole writer on this song, or did you write it with Lisa? No, I am. I'm the sole writer in this one. And um, that, that was um, an Out Music Award, am I correct? Yeah. Exactly. How did that uh, tell me? So you go there, you, did you expect you were going to win? Were you there? Well, did you go to the ceremony? Yeah. So I, that, that was a really incredible time. Like, uh, it was 2014. So the album had been out for, God, I don't know. I mean, it came out in October of 2013. And I just, I think this was sometime in spring of, 2014 so not too far but but basically um the i had five nominations that year which was the most nominations which was really really like i was just so like 
I don't know, so happy and thrilled, you know, like um, we were up for, it was Humanitarian Songwriter of the Year, I think Best R&B Song, I think, <clears throat> same for the same one. It was up for, uh, Trying was up for Best Music Video. Uh, I also won another one that year for um, Best Spoken Word, which is another track. Uh, they were all from the Mod Music album, basically, but, and then I think we're up for like one other, I can't remember what the fifth one was, but, um, but yeah, we won, or I won two out of the five, which I was so happy about. Sorry, my dog is That's talking okay. to us. That's okay. Uh, well, just wants to be on the episode. Ty wants some attention. <laughs> I understand completely. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, five songs were nominated and then they announced the winners and like, then they held a ceremony. Something, I can't remember what happened that oh, year that they, okay. they couldn't have a full, uh, a full award show. So what they did was they had like a, they announced digitally and then they did a kind of like a, uh, ceremony like a get-together ceremony but it was cool because deborah cox was there yeah, um cool. monique was there yeah i got to like meet them and stuff i think they also won or whatever it was but it was awesome it was in, <clears throat> it was in new york and um and it was like a really cool night and uh yeah, i was i mean i was honored uh to be able to carry that so yeah th well when i like i said when i was researching you yesterday I was finding out all this stuff and I was thinking, wow, this is incredible. This guy is very talented and so important. So I want to thank you for being on my podcast because <laughs> I do think music makes people happy. I think music, you know, Madonna said it best. Music brings the people together. Music makes the people come together. And it really does. Right. I, I had to throw yeah. Madonna out there whenever I'm talking to musicians. Um, <laughs> I, before I let you go, I do want to, there's two more things I want to ask you, you know, you had mentioned earlier way back, it's been a rough 2020 and it has, this year has just basically dry humped us with no lube and left us just laying on the bed. Like didn't even call the maid <laughs> did like, didn't even help clean up just that 2020 yeah. has fucked us, but right. I'm, I'm trying to push people to think of something positive. So tell me, right. tell me the best thing that come out of 2020 for you so far. So I have that answer. Uh, oh, the best thing to come out of 2020 for me is I'm going to be an uncle in July. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. And that is honestly like the, the thing that like my family is holding on to that is like, you know, my sister is, um, she lives in, like I said earlier, she lives in Hawaii with her wife. Um, and this is their first child, so my first nephew and uh, first, you know, yeah, first time being an uncle, really. And um, so, yeah, I'm just, I'm thrilled. That's I can't exciting. wait to meet him. I, you know, I can't wait to go out there and uh, and spend that time with them. And so that is really like the silver lining so far. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> but you know what? It's perfect too, because I've asked this, you're the third person I've asked this question to, um, cause I just started asking it last week and everybody who's responded has the one thing that they're happy about in 2020 or the positive thing is family. It all revolves yeah. around family. And I, I think that's great. And you know, COVID-19 horrible thing that's happening right now, but 
you know, when you start thinking about like one guy said, oh, you know, I'm spending more time with my family. Um, another person said, you know, my mom passed away and this has given me more time to grief instead of having to run back to work. So I just think that it all comes back to family. And I, I, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. So before I let you go, though, we're going to play my game. Let's get grounded where I'm going to tell you, I'm going to name off some airlines. You're going to pick one and then I'm going to ask you the question. It's pretty simple. I just try to make it more important than it is. All right. So American Airlines, Delta, Frontier, JetBlue, Spirit or United? I'm going to say JetBlue. I knew you were going to say that because JetBlue (laughs) has all the bear flight attendants and I just knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I think they hire them on. I think I think they hire them on purpose. It's like they walk in. Oh, a beard and a belly. Hi, you're going to be a new flight attendant. Okay, and so, I know all of them. They're all my friends. That's awesome. So, um, well, yeah, especially if you're in Boston and New York. I mean, that's right. Like, JetBlue's huge there. Okay, so on a flight from L.A. to Sydney, if you could sit next to any famous person, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh my God. All right. Well, <laughs> my first approach to answering this question is excitement, right? That I get to pick the person, like assuming they would actually want to talk to me. Oh, yeah, you know? no. Yeah, they want you. They, I mean, that. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Okay. They want then, you to sit next to them. Yeah. Then, hands down, without a doubt, Jennifer Beals. Oh, um, Flashdance. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And L Word. Yes. I, she is my woman crush forever. Like in the most like intellectual and just like, I don't even know. She is just a goddess. Like I love her. I love everything about her. I feel like I could talk to her for hours. Like I have so many questions for her. So yeah, I would definitely be gentle. Oh, wow. That's, you know what? I love this question because you never know what people are going to say. And I'm always like, wow, I would have never thought you would have said that, but that's a good answer. That's awesome. And 14 hours, she'd probably be like, you're either play me some music or stop talking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This is your opportunity to, I call this hoeing yourself out. Tell everyone where they can find you, how they can listen to your music, how they can watch your music videos. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm pretty much Mike MRF on everything. So Mike MRF, that's it. It's the name Mike and then the three initials all together. Mike MRF. I'm on every platform, Spotify, Apple Music title everything uh and then definitely follow me on instagram that's my favorite one to post on for sure uh and you know i'm on twitter as well i'm on facebook like you know all those but uh yeah and then also videos um you can also type that into youtube or you can go to my website mikemrf.com and they're all kind of laid out there And I will have all that information in the description of the episode so people can just click buttons and then they can start following you and watching your music videos and listening to you because you're fantastic. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. You be safe. Well, you've already had COVID-19. Be safe anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I will, I promise. All right, take care. Be safe. All right, bye. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, (laughs) check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.